Good morning. Good morning. Today is the first sermon in a series called Lost in the Chaos. We've lost our way. The last 12 months were lost for students, families, weddings, holidays, and positive relationships. Lives were lost to disease and injustice. It feels like we're lost in the wilderness with no compass. Let's find a way through all this stress and anxiety by trusting Jesus alone. Today's sermon is entitled, Having Vision in a Volatile World. A Higher Calling when Franklin Roosevelt was 16 and at a way at boarding school, he got sick and was quarantined in the infirmary. Quarantine, that sounds familiar. His mother was so upset at being kept apart from him that she climbed a stepladder outside his window that she could be as close to him as possible. Something similar happened to Charlie Adams, only in reverse. When assisted living facilities nationwide realized that they would have to turn visitors away to keep their residents safe. Charlie was wor worried that he wouldn't be able to visit his 80-year-old mother, Julie Adams. Fortunately, Charlie owns a tree care service in Youngstown, Ohio, which means he has a truck with a large extendable arm, long enough to reach his mother's third floor window. Her spirits were kind of down because she's used to being able to go out and going places and doing things. And so I just had the idea that I'd bring the bucket truck over, Charlie says. I called her. And I told her to come look out the window. And there I was. And another story. The men and women at Miami-Dade Fire Rescue had the same high-flying idea. One of their station mates had been in the hospital because of the coronavirus, and he was becoming pretty depressed being all alone. It gets so isolating in here, he said, in a video later distributed by the fire department. One morning, a group of Miami-Dade firefighters piled into the truck, drove over to the hospital, and raised the ladder to the unnamed man's fourth floor room. Standing at the top of the ladder, a firefighter held a handwritten cardboard sign that said, Your New Firehouse. This is love, the hospital man said in the video, between obviously labored breaths. This is the only kind of love you can get from a brother and sisterhood at the firehouse. There's just no other way to explain how this makes me feel. We live in an ever-changing world full of catastrophe, turmoil, and strife. And this past year has been no different. What we have all experienced has changed us and affected every aspect of our lives. And with the widespread changes that COVID-19 pandemic brought, political unrest, riots, job losses, and job changes, our current world looks so much different than it did just a year ago. Volatility. What is volatility? Well, the first definition that comes up when you look this up is the liability to change rapidly and unpredictably, especially for the worse. And it's also a science term as well. When something is volatile, it means that it easily goes from a liquid to a gas. So something that changes quickly, going from one thing to another. And I'm going to read you some statistics. 
During the pandemic, about 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. A share that has largely been consistent up from 1 in 10 adults who have reported these symptoms from January and to June 2019. So, in a two year time span from January 2019 to January 2021, people went from 1 in 10 reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression to 4 in 10 reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression. So, we're living in a world where people are feeling pretty down now. Many people who have already had mental health issues, however, have found it even more difficult to navigate life. I posted the other day asking what challenges people have faced in this past year, and I'm just going to read a couple of them. It's been a challenge to deal with my mental health. Isolation has exasperated my mental health issues and made it even more difficult to choose healthy coping mechanisms. Another person says, my mental health has unfortunately gone backwards after making such great progress before all this happened. And many other people posted saying they over have overcome a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety and a lot of circumstances that have come their way brought to, the by brought to them by the pandemic and other things that have happened in the this past year. And speaking of the pandemic, it's worse than ever. Many countries have reimposed strict lockdowns. So when we thought things were getting better, new variants of the virus are affecting people at alarming rates. And inequalities continue to grow. And from Portugal to Brazil to Egypt, even to the US, our health services are struggling like never before. And in a 46 country study by Save the Children, we have found that more than 8 in 10 children have experienced increased negative feelings. So not only is it affecting adults, but it's affecting children as well. And one third of families have experienced violence at home. So I ask the question, where has God been, on all, been in all of this? How can we still have a clear vision of God's will in the midst of all this volatility? How can we become flexible enough to still follow the Spirit's leading? Let's look into scripture for examples of people who have followed God's visions for their lives, even though they had some volatile experiences along the way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, we read, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his in inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city built with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verses 17 through 19. It was by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, 
It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God can even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. All right, Abraham. He's an example of a person who went through some volatile experiences. The Lord made a covenant with Abraham that he would become a great father to a chosen nation. So God made a promise to Abraham. He made a covenant through him. Even though Abraham lived in another land, he still traveled to that new land. I'm not sure how far it was, but it looks if you look at a map of the Middle East, it looks like he went from one side of the peninsula to the other side. And that was a long way for someone to travel, especially in those days when they was on foot. They didn't have cars back then, or planes, so he couldn't just fly there. And it was unknown to him as well. And though, even though Abraham was old, he still obeyed God and fathered children. I don't know about you, but being a parent at my age is hard enough. I can't imagine being a parent well past my retirement years, or however we would say that nowadays. But he was obedient to God. And then when he had his son, Isaac, he loved him very much, treated him very well. But God asked him, asked him to do something very strange and very seemingly against God's character. And even though he loved his son, he was still obedient to God's request for sacrifice. But thankfully, God was just testing the faith of Abraham. Let's look into another person. And it was by faith that even Sarah, who was past her childbearing age, was enabled to bear children that she, because she was considered faithful to whom he had made the promise. And so it was from this one man that he is as good as, even though he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. And that was Hebrews 11, 11 through 12. So Sarah, the wife of Abraham, she's another person who went through some experiences, but she still had a clear vision of what God's will was. The Lord gave Sarah a vision of having descendants as numerous as the sand of the seashore, though through her giving birth to a child. And even though Sarah laughed at the thought of bearing a child in her old age, God's promise was fulfilled. And even though she was well past her childbearing years, she had Isaac nonetheless. And even though she tried to take matters into her own hands with Hagar, God blessed the child Hagar or Ishmael. So even though she took the matters into her own hands and had Abraham be with Hagar so that he could start a line and lineage from himself, God still blessed Ishmael and still gave Sarah Isaac. And let's look also into scripture again for another person who's experienced many things but still experienced God's vision. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11, 
16 through 33. This is Paul speaking. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that you may do a little boasting, so that I may do a little boasting. In the self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. Verse 21. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else does, else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. So here Paul is, getting ready to say all of the things that he has suffered through, that he is boasting about. And that begins in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this, he says. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent night and day in the open sea. Verse 26 continues, and I have been consistently on the move. Paul continues and says, I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. In verse 27, Paul says, I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, he says, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? Verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my, show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Eratos had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. If there ever was a list of bad experiences, that would take the cake, I believe. Paul experienced a lot. And yet, he speaks boldly of his strife to the church at Corinth. He tells the church all of the things that he has been through. And all of these things he has gone through. He's boasting of them. I don't know about you, but I don't really like to boast about all of my hardships. 
I'd rather tell you all about all the good things that have happened in my life. But here Paul is telling us all these negative things. And why is he telling us all of these negative things? Because here he is, still writing letters to the churches in Rome. Here he is, still speaking about God's will. Here he is, still living out a vision that the Lord gave him when he first saw him on that road to Damascus. When he was previously called Saul, the persecutor. The Lord gave Paul a vision to be a planter of churches and no longer a persecutor of them. Even though the world around you is volatile, be willing to fulfill God's vision. Like Paul, Sarah, and Abraham, and many others in Scripture, we have all gone through something terrible in our lives, sometimes consistently terrible, like in Paul's case. Or maybe just a few bumps along the road. But I ask you these questions today. I ask you to think and to pray and to be of concern of what it is that God has for you. What vision has God given you specifically? There's a vision for the church to go and to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each church has that charge. But what part of that charge has God, has God given you specifically? And next, I want you to think about what hardships you have faced in your life. I want you to think about all the things that God has let you go through, even though you have a vision to fulfill. And sometimes it seems like those things get in the way of that vision. What hardships have you faced? What vision has God given you? Where are your struggles? Where are the things that you struggle with that feel like, make it feel like you cannot get through even some day-to-day -day things. Even though the world around you is volatile, be willing to fulfill God's vision for you. What prayers do you need to pray? Do you need to say, God, here I am, vulnerable and willing to do your will? Or do you need to say, God, I'm going through a lot right now, and I just feel like I can't get through it. Can you help me get through it? Do you need to pray, God, what is, my, what is that vision that you have for me? Here I am, sitting 
here in church or sitting at home? What vision do you have for me specifically? What is it that I'm supposed to do to help go and make disciples of this earth and to tell people about the love of Jesus? What vision do you have for me, Lord? A prayer that I think we can all pray comes from the song called Oceans by Hillsong. It's the first part of the bridge of that song. And it says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you will call me. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you will call me. This is a prayer that is so powerful and it makes you so willing and so humble to be able to ask that in the first place. It's called, I would call it a dangerous prayer because you're saying that God can open up the world around you and allow you to step out onto the water. Now, I don't think I've seen any of us step out into water and not just fall straight through. I don't know. Have any, has anyone walked on water here? No? Frozen water doesn't count, right? Frozen water? No. Ice does not count. I was thinking it, but I just didn't want to say it. The molecular structure has changed to a solid. You cannot count that. It must be a liquid. But we can do that spiritually now, can't we? I've seen people do that. I've seen people go from living a life that was full of sin and death to boldly living a life full of Christ. Even in my own life, I can look back and see that I've stepped out in faith. Even though the water is water and something I could fall straight through, but God was right there holding my hand, holding me up, and allowing me to walk. You all heard stories, haven't you, of people who have boldly gone out into the world to fulfill God's vision. Even though the world around you is volatile, just be willing to fulfill God's vision for you. Be willing and able to walk upon that water and to say, God, here I am, even though it's a pandemic and it's almost, we're trying to get better, people are getting vaccinated, things are getting looking up, but that's not where we put our hope, is it? We put our hope in Jesus, the one who did it first and best. What is God's vision for you? 
What hardships have you faced? What struggles have you gone through? What prayers do you need to pray? Where are you today? Where will you be tomorrow? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us this day to learn more about you, to hear of your word, to hear of examples of people who have lived a life fulfilling your vision for them. Let us be like those great examples of faith. Let us be more like Abraham and Sarah and Paul and even others who we've heard of in scripture and in life. Let us also be willing to walk across that open water looking towards you looking towards you, God, with Jesus walking right in front of us, being our guide as we watch and follow him. And even though we may experience some volatility, some hardships, some struggles, God, you promise that you will be with us and that you will help us and even carry us through those problems and those issues. Lord, let us be willing and let us be humble in following you. For we are your servants and we are your people. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we look forward to what it is that you have for us each and every single time. And in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Some of you may recognize this uh, little poem or song that I'm about to read. Some of you will never have heard it because it's old. <laughs> kind of like me. But here we go. In this room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to chase away any gloom. For Jesus, Lord Jesus, is in this very room. Jesus kept his promise. He stood in this room. He was with us. He is with us in this time of worship. His presence always produces joy and empowers us in ways we can't imagine. So, as the Holy Spirit has filled us with the love and power of Jesus, remember, folks, you are sent to share the love and joy and power of Jesus with the people around us. Go. Mm.